One of the people in my life who died that I miss the most is my grandmother. Her name was Edith, but everyone called her Edie. She was that mom and grandma at whose kitchen table everyone came to sat and tell their problems to. Sort of everyone's mom. All the cousins and friends of my mom's generation tell stories of being teenagers and sitting with her and talking about their lives. She, of course, sat, ready to listen for hours, armed with her pack of cigarettes, a freshly microwaved cup of Folgers instant coffee, <laughs> and the biggest heart you would ever find. She used to call her sister Roz on the phone multiple times a day. They were first-generation Americans, and they'd speak in that kind of Yiddish that first-generation Americans speak in. When she had her cleaning lady for the day, for example, she'd call Roz, kitchen table to kitchen table, to share with her the important information of what she'd served her for lunch. New, ich gibben her a tuna fish sandwich. In her late 70s, she started to show signs of dementia. And around the same time, I started to show signs of being a 14-year-old boy. During those years, I would spend almost every weekend at her house. She'd give me the love and comfort that I needed in my early adolescence, listening to everything. She called me Dolly. And while she busied herself with being my most loyal friend, she also passed along so much of that thick Jewish culture that was her world. And I'd help her grocery shop and change light bulbs and put the TV back on channel three so the cable box worked again. <laughs> Remember that? We were that close. I remember sitting next to her hospital bed with her mostly unconscious for one last time in my life and hers. I laid my head down on that arm that had hugged and comforted me so many times, and I cried my eyes out. I cried for the Yiddish bubby that I got to have, and I cried for the emptiness of her absence that I knew would be part of my life forever. I'm so lucky that I had her and I take so much of her love and her wisdom into my life. What happens to our beloveds after they die? As with, as with most things, it's not an easy question in Judaism. We don't have a simple and clear theology of death. And often, I think too often, we rely on the teaching that Judaism is just more focused on life and not what happens when God's children return to God. The truth is that our tradition has a wellspring of ideas about what happens after we die. One of those ideas, and it's an idea that has been removed from Reformed Judaism's theology, is the idea of the resurrection of those who have died. Don't worry, that's not what I'm talking about or at least not in the way you might be thinking. This idea, however, is actually a lot more prevalent in Jewish thought than some might imagine. One of the core 13 principles of faith 
that Maimonides compiled is the belief in the resurrection of those who have died. And he does mean it in that way. And you may not know it, but there is a reference to this idea in our daily prayer in the Givurot, in the Amidah. Atagi borleo lamadonai mechaye metimata rav lehoshia mechalkel chayim bechesed mechaye metim berachamim rabim baruchata adonai mechaye hametim. I don't know how many of you have noticed that in this prayer, where we usually say the phrase mechaye hakol, there is also an option in our prayer book in brackets to use the phrase mechaye hametim. The word mechaye from the word lechaye to live, as in lechayim, means to give life to, or in English religious terminology, revive. The word that Reformed Judaism pairs with this word, hakol, means everything. Well, the word that appears in brackets in our prayer book and is used in most traditional sidurim in the world, metim, means the dead. Early Reformed liturgists removed this phrase, mechaye hametim, blessing God who revives the dead, from our prayer book and replaced it with the more abstract Mechaye Hakol, God who gives life to everything, as part of their project of building a modern and rational Judaism. They saw the idea of the revival of the dead as a remnant of an ancient and irrational religiosity. They wanted to give us a Judaism that matched our experience. When people die, they don't come back. And while I think on the most basic level they were right, I also think they were a little too stuck in their commitment to rationalism and forgot about the power of poetry and metaphor. Even though many modern liberal Jews may find a literal belief in the revival of the dead challenging, isn't there a way that those beloveds whom we've lost actually do come back to us? Don't their lives become in some way revived through the stories we tell about them in the ways we honor them, through our awareness of and acting out their values. They live their lives through us. I don't think I will ever actually cry on my grandmother's arm again, or feel her embrace, or drink her microwaved Folgers instant coffee. But I have to tell you, standing here, and telling you some of the things I loved about her makes it feel like in some small way, a kind of michaye hametim, a sacred way of bringing her back, is possible. It feels like a way that who she was gets revived. Through some of our most basic Jewish practices, and especially when we utter the word metim, literally say the word, those who have died. We are lovingly pulled into a place of beautiful memory where we can encounter our loved ones again and again. As a rabbinical student, I began the practice of saying the word metim instead of hakol when I davened the Amidah. Saying the word metim just helps me remember to pause, 
to let myself go there. Sometimes on a Friday night, I'm no longer your rabbi in the front of the room, but I'm a very well-loved teenage boy at my grandma's apartment where I'm sitting with my good friend and teacher, Ibrahim Farajaje, learning about queer feminist politics and the work he did to change our world. Or I'm with Abraham and Sarah, watching them start a religious revolution. Or I'm with the grandfather who died when I was an infant and who, when I close my eyes, is proud of the man and the rabbi I have become. And it is from this place that I find my love for all of you when I am called upon for the great honor to help you remember. When I say the word Metim, I'm reminded that in the heart of each person in this room are so many stories, so many lives, so much love. And that for me is something worth thanking and praising God for. This for me is a Jewish religious experience and an important one. I want us to be more open to the parts of our tradition that consider what happens after we die, because I think these elements of our tradition contain wisdom that can help all of us with our grief, and also spiritually powerful truths that can shape the ways we live our lives. I want us to connect to the parts of our tradition, like uttering the word metim, the dead, in our most sacred prayers, parts of our tradition that invite us to bring the memories of those loved ones into our hearts, to see our connection with those who have died as an essential part of our Jewish spiritual practice. I want this because just like I can go back to my grandmother's kitchen table and hear her laugh and feel her love in the life that I live now, I want each of us to experience a Judaism that helps us revive the most cherished, important parts of our loved ones. I want for all of us a Judaism, even if it brings tears, that compels us to utter the words, Baruch atah Adonai mechayei Blessed are you, God of Israel, God of Abraham and Sarah, Rebecca and Isaac, Jacob, Rachel and Leah, God of my grandparents, God of your mothers and fathers and uncles and aunts, God of your children who died too early, God of this Jewish people. Blessed are you who revives, who brings back in sacred memory in this sanctuary of gathering our loved ones who have died and who, through sacred power and presence, continue to live through us and with us.